Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com backslash this means podcast and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Go to audibletrial.com backslash this means podcast. And on with the show. Are you ready, eager young space cadet? <laughs> Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Hello, and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and with me today to talk about all things Looney Tunes is, once again, Mark Hughes. Hi, Mark. Hello. (laughs) Hi, thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for returning. As our fans know, you've already been with us to talk about some boxing tunes, and this time I brought you on to talk about Foghorn Leghorn and Henry Hawk. Yes, and not just because I am from the Redneck South, right? Yes. Uh, Had nothing to do with that. Awesome. (laughs) All right. Well, I say, I say, I'm ready to talk. Perfect. That was a terrible Foghorn Leghorn, too. I didn't put my heart into it. We'll let it slide. In this topic, you can redeem yourself later. (laughs) Um, So, first, I'm going to hit some news. Turning to the What's Up Doc, we can find out what news there is to cover. First, I'm going to talk about the wonderful game. Looney Tunes and the World of Mayhem. Some of you play this. Some of you do not. Uh, that's why I'm putting it at the top so I can get through it really quickly for those that do not play. There were some new additions to the game to liven it up things. And they have redone their campaign mode, which is a Marvin the Martians invasion. And there's new areas and uh, they they basically went in and they gave you whole new options and new quests to go after to unlock uh, character pieces and so that's just going to be a whole bag of goodies in there and another adjustment they made was to the specific town characters of the farming uh, the town and space um so they're redo they're redesigning the way that these characters battle and the way that they evolve so this is exciting because there hasn't been a huge update like this in about eight months and this is going to be the first of i think many to get more people interested in the game and i will be putting it out in social media of what this means for the game and what this means for the players which is very exciting um and the last thing i want to touch on was they are going to add new characters to the wheels there are these little chance wheels that you can spin if you get a token for them and they're going to add a whole bunch of new characters in those and you can read more about this on their blog at looneytuneswom.scopely.com and find out all the information you want there and happy playing So, in the movie news, Space Jam 2 is scheduled for a 2021 release over at Warner Brothers. And, exactly. uh, We have a look at the uniforms that are going to be coming out with that new movie. Uh, Nike has released these ahead of, way ahead of schedule. 
And I'm not sure why. I guess people want to order them or wear them something. But Space Jam is coming back, and it's the Monstars versus the Toon Squad. So the Monstars has a glossy purple and yellow-orange look to them, uh, which is really fun. I really like this new logo that they have for their costumes. I mean, they're a bunch of aliens who play basketball, and why not be stylish and fashionable? And the Toon Squad has a very reminiscent of the first movie style, and it just has added Bugs Bunny's catchphrase, what's up, Doc, on the lapel of the jersey and on the shorts. So I kind of want that. I kind of need them. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, yeah, it looks really sharp. Uh, this is very cool, and uh, I, you know, LeBron was great, so I look forward to seeing him in it as well. Uh, I have to say, the suit that... The, the teams, they look great, but the Monsters, that Monsters team uniform is, it looks particularly sharp in these images, I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I was partial to it, too. I, I really like the new <laughs> redesign of the Monsters logo and the yeah. uh, and the coloring. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, pops way more. That's pretty nice. And now the reason why we're here, let's talk about Foghorn Leghorn and Henry Hawk. Now we're getting somewhere! The newest additions to the World of Mayhem in a football version of Foghorn Leghorn and Henry Hawk, uh, respectively called Referee Leghorn and Henry Hike. Um, Hike, hike, hut. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I want to talk about the Squawk and Hawk first. This was from 1942 and directed by Chuck Jones and introduced Henry Hawk. I'm a chicken hawk! And... It is just a delight. <laughs> I really enjoyed yes. this short. Um, Henry Hawk has a feud over eating a worm. And one of the things that stuck out, stuck out to me was we follow from the worm's point of view not being eaten and being eaten and not being eaten. Like this tug and, this tug and pull of am I going to die today or am I not going to die today uh, because of this baby wanting uh, to eat food. Um and I, I just really love that because we're we're told so much about the character before we even see them. And then whenever we see the baby chicken hawk and we see how, you know, relatable he is and how cute he is, uh, we just go along with it. And his, his antics of wanting to eat a giant chicken, even though he's <laughs> super tiny. Yeah, it's. I think it speaks a lot to children that are fans of this and the fact that he is small but wants to be big and he sure. doesn't lo- he doesn't want to be small he doesn't want to be limited by his size kids you know they recognize that they their self image and their identity are completely out of whack as children compared to their capabilities and what they want to do and what they actually can do and henry is a terrifically fun example of a kid pushing back and then simultaneously running smack into his own limitations while he's also causing actually a great deal of trouble for grown-ups more than, you know, kids are always capable of actually causing more distress and trouble and work for adults if they went with their shenanigans than they imagine that they could cause and certainly more than the adults think so and that's I think that's true of Henry and it's part of what makes him such a great character that innate sense that children have that the world is unfair and thinks they're too small to do all the things they want to do. It's really great. Yeah, no, I think that's great as well. 
And um, I, I love that insight. I had never realized that you could put it in that context and it makes perfect sense. I love the character just because he's a really fun foil for Foghorn and he tries to just throw him off his scent and just pushes him on whatever other characters around. I mean, usually the dog, <laughs> because the dog is anta- antagonizing Foghorn. He's just like, go, go bother that guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't have yeah. time for you. Um, but yeah, I like no. how often the dog ends up being accused of being a chicken or being something. He's just Foghorn Leghorn is always, you know, the dog's asleep. And the next thing he knows, a chicken hawk thinks he's some weird looking chicken and wants to eat him or a chicken wants to marry him or whatever weirdness <laughs> is going on. <laughs> one of these has got to be a chicken. Yeah. And, uh, that, that actually is a good point. And it, it's one of those, um, Robert McKenzie's ways of making him, a identifiable hero, but also somebody that you can laugh at as well. So it has that dichotomy to it. Um, but Henry Hawk, uh, he's a regular antagonist to Foghorn. He comes up in a number of uh, shorts with him. And we know him as this lovable little like spry uh, chicken hawk who can have, you know, whatever... Thing he wants and he's always muscle bound and like ready to go get it um very driven uh but in this first version we see him very gullible and very um new to the world uh foghorn isn't even in this episode or in this short and there is another rooster very, really skinny uh smaller guy um who is guarding the hen house and i believe henry tries to steal his wife um, <laughs> uh, the rooster blames his wife for being drunk and says that she's embarrassing herself <laughs> as he's, you know, as Henry is underneath her, like walking her out as she sleeps. Um, I just thought that was a really funny visual and there's no way kids could get, could have gotten that as they were watching this. Um, yeah. but as adults, we, we definitely see, um, the, uh, the, you know, the awfulness yeah. of that. <laughs> Uh, i I like how much henry works as uh he's henry is the same character whether he's the the antagonist or the protagonist of a given story whether we're seeing it from his perspective or somebody else's perspective he's always he's a predator a, a typically a predator uh, which usually a predator or an antagonist or the heavy and the bully, but he's a diminished threat. And by diminishing the, the, the apparent threat that he poses and by even his successes kind of being framed in funny ways like that, the fact that he's always overreaching, it makes it safe to kind of root for him to actually succeed in this nonsense that he's trying to pull off. So when he's this little guy and he's carrying her, whatever it is that he's doing, you kind of you want him to get away with it, even though he's a chicken hawk and whatever he's doing is outrageous. And like, no, he shouldn't be doing it. But you still kind of you feel safe rooting for him because yeah. he is that kind of that balanced personality within the Looney Tunes. You know, he's one of the characters who is kind of squarely in the middle in terms of having a neutral impact. He doesn't have a overall negative or an overall positive impact i would say I, that's that's the beauty of him is he's just he's this great little force of chaos 
and uh, but you he, but he's always relatable. The little worm that you mentioned from the Squawk and Hawk, mm-hmm. I love how the worm further undermines the typical portrayal of the heavy or of the predator and him as a predator that here it is, you know, the worm is definitely smaller and easy pickings for him, but he doesn't want the worm. So indirectly he's having mercy on this weaker character and he's (laughs) Henry's never punching down, you know, (laughs) he's always punching up and that's the beauty of Henry. He's an antagonist, but he's an antagonist of very little actual means who is always going after somebody bigger than him. I ain't so little. I love the dichotomy there. Exactly what you're talking about. You have this little hawk and he has a huge appetite, but he doesn't understand the world yet. And he just tries to take everything that he sees and he learns quickly that he can't do that. Gee whiz, I never get to eat. And I also love that this short ends with the worm kissing Henry on the beak and there's a heart that goes over the entire frame. (laughs) It's just too cute. So I I agree uh, completely. Well, are you coming or do I got to slap you around? There is a trilogy of shared continuity between Foghorn and Henry. And one of those shorts is called Foghorn Leghorn. And it's, again, the, the continuity comes from... Foghorn trying to persuade Miss Prissy that the dog is a chicken. He's always trying to persuade these other characters into being something they're not. And in Foghorn Leghorn, he tries uh, persuading Henry Hawk into going after another character, but he has a difficult time because Henry has now gained the knowledge of him being a chicken. So it doesn't work. Um, And then I believe you actually watched the third one of this trilogy. What I like about, uh, I love Little Boy Boo, and uh, it's my favorite uh, Foghorn Leghorn cartoon because for me, it has one of the all-time greatest Foghorn Leghorn lines, which is, watch it, fears. (laughs) (laughs) I love watch it, and even people who don't know what anything about these cartoons, if you said... Uh, have you ever heard a, have you ever heard the saying <laughs> watch it fizz <laughs> a lot of people especially adults in like you know in their 30s or 40s i guess and 50s maybe uh, would recognize that because that was such a funny thing well let's see what you're making there boy looks like soda pop <laughs> watch it fizz <laughs> What I like about Little Boy Boo is how it's great on its own, but it's excellent when you look at several of these together as a representation of Foghorn Leghorn and the analogy, you know, it's all analogous to the Old South and the antebellum era. And that's why it uses a lot of the tropes and stereotypes of that era. Uh, So, for example, in Love, uh, Lovelorn Leghorn, You've got all of the clucking hens that are gossiping and they're portraying Prissy as an old maid. Hey, hey, Phil. Look who's gone out to look for a husband. Not Prissy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, old square britches herself. And that she has to chase and catch a man to get married and all those kind of, you know, those stereotypes and tropes. Yes. 
But it's all for the purpose of undermining and kind of satirizing those attitudes uh, in a loving way, but still in a very clear way. Because that's that's what Foghorn Leghorn is, and he's that southern gentleman and that southern drawl that he has, and he presumes his own expertise and that he knows everything and that he can do everything, and he's got those the the you know the the sensibilities that the anti intellectualism and the paternalism and you know making fun of eggheads and uh, he generally just kind of resents and rejects the idea that any of anything changing in his world he likes things the way they are and uh to me when you look at these particular stories together he's repeatedly at odds with uh different generations and there's a lot of generational especially the younger which is what with henry the chicken hawk and then little boy boo which is uh when he egghead jr the little baby chicken that's prissy's son and I, I really love that there's a whole lot of surrealism and outright satire of the the old South tropes when Foghorn Leghorn is at his best, and you you get those kind of moments like the famous Watch It Fizz where he's tell you know the kid is too intellectual and he's trying to get the kid to stop studying and learning things, but no matter what he does, the kid keeps proving that he's smarter and better than foghorn leghorn time after time so the setup and payoff is just on and on throughout it and it's the it's that same basic template really applies to foghorn leghorn in general he fails in his attempts to impress people and he's he has these clumsy demonstrations of his own skill but it always comes back to biting you know, at some point, and we see that really at its best, in my opinion, in Little Boy Boo, because he always, Little Boy Boo always knows better and comes out ahead, but we still, and we love him, but we still love Foghorn Leghorn for giving it the try anyway, because he's still out there trying. It's it's largely a more accepting kind of portrayal. The Old South way of saying and doing things, kind of. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's one of the best things about Looney Tunes in general, is that you have these setups and payoffs and, you know, whenever the bite happens, it happens hard and it's funny to these characters that we have grown to love over the years, but it's never detrimental to their character. Like it fits in the character and in the world. And that's the joy of Looney Tunes is that you have characters like Foghorn who are stuck in their ways, but whenever they get the comeuppance and like, uh, stuff goes bad for them. It's funny to us, the viewer, but we still love Foghorn Leghorn. Like it doesn't yeah. take away from the character. <laughs> exactly. It's and it's always and it's he's destined. You know, his even when he doesn't fail out when it's not an overt failure, like yes. it is, for example, in Little Boy Boo. He's generally you generally know that he's kind of uh, he represents a specific antiquated structure and way of looking at things and that he's he it's he generally even if he seems to come out not too bad at the end of a thing he's probably been tested and, and along the way and had most of his efforts and most of his ideas kind of revealed to be transparently absurd and unworkable <laughs> and that's just the beauty of foghorn leghorn but he's as certain of himself today as he was yesterday no matter how many times he failed yesterday just like kind of a homer simpson in a way yeah no very much so 
So what you're saying is Foghorn Leghorn needs to be at the center of his own shorts in the upcoming uh, reboot of Looney Tunes. Yeah, I say, yeah, I say, yahoo, boy! Seriously, since these cartoons, besides being sheer, just the entertainment value, they are smart. They are satirizing things. They are cultural commentary. And Foghorn Leghorn was one of actually the more overt examples of that. And again, you know, the whole antebellum era and kind of uh, even though, I mean, you can watch Lovelorn Leghorn and tell that it's it's not it's 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 mocking and satirizing it. But it's also kind of matter of fact about accepting that some of those things are just the way they are in Mm. in the old south. The, the gossiping and the, you know some of the sexist tropes, it's like, well, it's kind of there. But at the end of the day, it's still rep- it's an example of Foghorn Leghorn where he's in his own element. Everything, he's in an environment that favors his perspective and his sense of entitlement, but he's still ultimately bested and winds up being proving himself inadequate to the task at hand, so to speak. Now, hold on, boy. But, you know, we still love him. And I think that's there's a chance for doing new Foghorn Leghorn in the modern era, mocking of antebellum era and Old South and the, the paternalism and privilege and the notion of generational change, <clears throat> which is kind of central to what Foghorn Leghorn really is at his best. It always sets up his failure amid social and generational change when the ta- that's how the tables always turn on him. And I think that's uh, there's a lot of opportunity to explore that and satirize that now. Oh, absolutely. I think there's a lot of potential for satirization in modern era. And there's a lot of potential for Looney Tunes to take advantage of that, um, not only in film, but in, you know, politics and like just in the entire gamut of everything that's happening in the modern world today. It all yeah. needs satirized <laughs> and and you can do that and still have a great time and you know if it's if you don't get there's times that you know watching looney tunes i mean for god's sake i i i'm certain as a child growing up in the south <laughs> which is where i you know i grew up in arkansas as a kid so and I'm growing up yeah yes we we didn't watch foghorn leghorn as little kids in elementary school you know and think Oh, this is an excellent satire and deconstruction of Old South uh, sensibilities. <laughs> it was just funny, and we were kids, so you can watch, you know, at face value and and appreciate it and love it. And then also for other people, you know, I mean, there really is the football sequences in uh, in uh, Love Lovelorn Leghorn. There's the football sequence, you know, with you know the the running, and he gets he's got the that whatever that thing is, what is it like the a melon? melon? He's chasing me. I'm wide. I say I'm wide open. Shoot me a lateral. That's you, passionate kiddo. Wanted to know more about the man behind the voices of your favorite cartoon characters? Mel Blank lended his voice to hundreds of them, including Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, Foghorn Leghorn, and the list goes on and on. I'd recommend Mel Blank, the man of a thousand voices on Audible. 
but there are literally hundreds of options for you to enjoy free with this exclusive trial code. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash this means podcast. Continue your exploration of the history of the Looney Tunes at your own pace. Once more, that's audibletrial.com slash this means podcast. I was able to listen to a commentary track on the specific short called Foghorn Leghorn, uh, given the title and the featured character. And they had a brief history of how that came, that character came to be. Um, and as you're saying, it was definitely a parody of the South and the antebellum and everything, but it was derived from a radio character called Senator Beauregard, uh, Claghorn. Yeah. And uh, that was played by Kenny Delmar. And he was basically this over-the-top senator who was always having these soliloquies of, like, pushing a, an agenda that nobody was for. Um, but it was a mix of that character and an old, inept sheriff um, who was trying to get to the bottom of uh, what was going on around him. Um, so yeah. having both of those traits uh for this really great parody of a character i think has endured and and lasted the test of time and he has become his own character outside of that um yes so i i really love that uh these two things were mashed together and out came something new um also in love lorne leghorn uh we get the looney tunes great phrase As this means war, yeah. Um, but in the you know foghorn leghorn voice, which is great. Um, I feel like Mel Blank just inserted that wherever he wanted. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Miss Prissy wants a husband, and uh, Foghorn persuades her to go after the dog. And uh, I love when there are these little moments of fourth wall breaking that Foghorn does, where. Uh, he talks directly to the audience and he's like, at some point, she's going to try to pull that skin off. And oh, <laughs> Nelly. <laughs> I just yeah. love those little like touches. Yeah. <laughs> just once again, the way that with the, the opening of this cartoon sets you up thinking it's going in a different direction than it actually winds up going. And when, when it opens and it's the hens and they're talking and then she comes by and they're all kind of laughing and, Oh, she's got to chase a man. And then what, that it ends up being instead of this interplay between her and this man that she's trying to get, it really becomes that interplay between the two, you know, the dog barnyard dog and foghorn leghorn trying to one-up one another and at the end of the day prissy is just kind of waiting in the wings and at some point one or the other of them is going to get the best of the other and she's going to get her man she's going to get a husband and she's at some point it's you know you kind of start to realize that she's going to win either way oh yeah and that's kind of once again the greatness of it is no matter how many how many he 
Foghorn Leghorn got Barnyard Dog good a couple <laughs> of times, but at the end of the day, she he's still the one who ends up being taken back to the hen house. <laughs> exactly. And it's really her story. We follow her and we're going through the entire story of her trying to find this husband and the you know, um, side players are the ones that are setting up the antics and, and everything. It's, uh, it's dog's idea to put the Rube Goldberg device in her head and then she builds it. And then Foghorn just helps her out with the bowling ball at the end. And then it it turns on him (laughs) in the end. (laughs) It's funny that, uh, this is, you know, the, the Prissy character, there's, in the follow-up, which is the little boy Boo, it's almost a direct sequel because Foghorn Leghorn has been avoiding her, and then it's winter, and he needs somewhere to stay in a way to keep to eat, basically, and stay fed, so he starts courting her mm. after all. So right. suddenly he wants Prissy. So it's funny to see that change where he's kind of, you know, the uh, around the around the barnyard. He's the the eligible bachelor, and then eventually he's the one who comes calling on her. And in the first one, he's trying to avoid her, and she catches him. And then later, when he wants to get caught, he ends up not and giving up because <laughs> the, of the little you know he can't keep up the whole the the task of being a father. Yeah, that paternal uh, challenge <laughs> for him. Um, poor Foghorn. Yeah, poor Foghorn. When is he going to catch a break? Yeah, and and, uh, having him be a referee in the game, I think, makes a lot of sense. He obviously loves the sport. And having Henry Hike as a muscle for your your team uh, in the world of mayhem makes a lot of sense as well. Yeah. Yeah, he's a a hard one to beat. Instead of going into the world of mayhem and doing a little corner of that, I think we're going to skip that this week just so that we can keep everything on a tighter track. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was one of the music videos in the Looney Tunes show that featured Henry Hawk and Foghorn Leghorn. And it's kind of the same premise as the first time we meet Henry Hawk. He really wants to eat a chicken. And Foghorn is like, you don't want to eat a chicken. You would rather have some beans. Chicken someone else he's now trying to convince henry to be vegetarian (laughs) exactly this is quite a change (laughs) it is indeed uh what did you think of this entire rap 
it's Looney. Well, it's Looney Tunes, so I'm gonna love everything. Uh, I'm. I will say this. I will say that there are certain musical stylings that I think work better and that lend themselves better or worse for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And ge- so, uh, generally speaking, I'm. I like rap, but I'm not always. I'm weird about rap or dance music or like heavy metal. There's certain kinds of things that I think see when they try to do it in in animation. Uh, I'm, there's a, a little bit of me that starts to cringe whenever I see it, <laughs> but Looney Tunes makes it easier to digest this stuff. It's just hard with Looney Tunes characters being such, you know, I think of them still through that filter as little kids and as a little kid. So when I see more modernized sensibilities kind of injected into it, that yeah. always feels weird to me. Cause I don't think, I can't, I don't think of them as representing culture and and pop culture in particular outside of a certain era and i always i think of them kind of as a throwback and as retro so when i see them uh any kind of modern music uh or or certain modern things in it but i also don't want to ruin the whole discussion by talking about that either so i realize <laughs> oh, no, you're good. Like, uh, i, I thought of this as bizarre as i do everything with the looney tune show but also, this was like the Songify the News. I don't know if you remember that meme. Um, but basically, it was just auto-tuned spoken word. And yeah. it's a little off-putting. But yes. I, I, do love, <laughs> I do love the end reveal where it's the dog singing the song. Yeah, the... Again, I don't want. I, I, I don't want to. I love Looney Tunes, and I'm. I'm. It's. I don't like to say anything bad about it. So I'll um and on and dance around saying it. But yeah, it was uh, off-putting. Is the right word? Is the word the right word that I was trying to avoid saying? <laughs> For sure. Well, I threw it in there because we are di- dissecting the characters, and this is right. obviously a part of any time that they show up. We want to talk about it, and so. This being a part of the Looney Tunes show is interesting because it doesn't have the same flair uh, or styling that the Looney Tunes show characters have in the show. Because in, in the show, Bugs and Daffy are roommates and they're worried about taxes and all this real world stuff. But Foghorn and Henry Hawk in this music video are doing the same things they were doing in their shorts from the forties and fifties, where it's Henry is trying to get a chicken to eat and Foghorn is trying to stop him from eating him. Uh, so I thought that was interesting that they brought that into the Looney Tunes show instead of making Henry Hawk, like, you know, this mob boss and then like Foghorn, a cop, you know, like you could have done that. <laughs> Uh, but they they chose to do this instead, so it's it's just interesting the choices that they made. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and something about these. I think that um, I mean, if, go if we want to go in a really kind of you know go out there with this discussion, I'll say that when I think about different characters, I think about very specific kind of tone and very specific kind of representation and skits and jokes with them. And with Foghorn Leghorn and Barnyard Dog and Henry, uh, I think if you go, I think the whole the 
the southern and the 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 south and rural setting and that kind of quainter throwback works better with those characters. There's certain kinds of stories that work better or worse for them. And I don't think, for example, unless you were doing a, a story that was specifically a skit kind of satirizing the country, you know, the old country bump can go into the big city, for example, would be an approach where you could get them into a city setting or whatever else that, uh, and this is all the, getting to the point about tonality and what the characters represent and why certain things kind of feel off to me and other things like you could have had if you'd had somebody different and if you had a different set of characters that might have worked you know a lot better in that particular you know the that musical approach or whatever right right so yeah this is a lot of i know this is a lot of over analysis of looney tunes characters but i'm very picky about (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm very picky about how I want to consume Looney Tune content, and I have very strong opinions about like where what the what the storytelling, you know, the concepts and the narratives around these characters, and what over the years because I watched Looney Tunes not just as a kid. I watched them in high school and college. There were days that me and my roommates we had a rental house. There were six of us living in it. We could skip class and not go to our classes in college for an entire day and just stay home and just watch Looney Tunes all day. And we just put in, cause we had VHS tapes of them. So a lifelong consumption of this, you develop ridiculously specific expectations and opinions. <laughs> no, for sure. And yeah. I get that for sure. And there are characters in the Looney Tunes show that don't appear in the show itself, but appear in these formats. And another one is Marvin the Martian because Basically, they wanted to ground everything and they didn't have anywhere to put these other characters. And they were like, well, they're part of Looney Tunes, so we got to inject them somehow. And they're injected through these music videos. And whether that fits the character mold or what they would actually be doing is irrelevant because they're trying to break out of the mold of the actual show and show you what these other characters are doing or how they're incorporated. And it's not always with the same filter which is inconsistent and also I think a little detrimental, but what you going to do when you got to include all of these non city based tunes into your show, you just do these random music videos. I mean, it's not a choice I would pick. Yeah. And it's, and we can watch it and think like, well, that was cute as itself is what it is. As long as, you know, if I turn off the part of my brain that recognizes who Marvin is or whatever, then you can watch something and be like, it's well done. And I get that other people might like that. And I'm not saying I don't understand it, but I'm with you 100% that I feel like ultimately it could be detrimental because, uh, if you're reintroducing these characters in this new kind of context and in this new way, then you're going to you're, you're altering the perception of them and of their place within the Looney Tunes world, I think. And I'm sure that at the end of the day, if they suddenly put Marvin in some one thing over here and one thing over there, no one's going to really be that confused or be like, this is not consistent. Wait a minute. The Martian was <laughs> yesterday. He was rapping. <laughs> And I don't know why he was rapping in Manhattan if tomorrow he's on a base on the moon. They can do whatever the hell they want, obviously. Oh, sure, yeah. But, but, 
Yeah. It matters to those of us to whom it real this kind of stuff really matters. <laughs> exactly. And something that matters to me is the new interpretations and the new shorts that are going to be coming out this year. And in a sneak peek way, we got to see the design and look of Marvin the Martian, who we're just talking about, in a Super Bowl commercial where Eric Bauza provided the voice. Now, this is on YouTube under Walmart's main YouTube page because it was for a Walmart ad. If you blinked, you missed him in the Super Bowl itself. But <laughs> basically, he and the uh, he and K9 go down to Walmart and get some groceries. Sustenance. Oh, goody. Which is a really clever thing. And there's a, a really nice Eric Bauza voice line of oh good sustenance um for marvin and uh and i just i ate it up uh but we got to see that look and i really liked the look of him um mark did you were you able to catch this yes uh actually i did uh and i like the i you know it's marvin the martian so and i like marvin the martian a lot um so i was it was I, I it was happy to see him. I'll, my favorite. I'll always like the classic version of Marvin the best. But this isn't that wide of a deviation. You know, it's a little more stylized. But at the end of the day, it's still recognizably Marvin. So uh, and you can't not like Marvin. Exactly. Um, and also <laughs> we got to see I believe he's wearing the yellow gloves as well. And I noticed while watching the Squawk and Hawk uh, directed by Chuck Jones, that the worm has yellow gloves. So the yellow gloves may or may not be associated with one director or the other. It may just be all of the classic designs of Looney Tune characters had yellow gloves, and now they're bringing those back. Um, that's exciting to me. And uh, I know it's like a trivial thing, like are they wearing yellow gloves or not? But I, I like it. It's a, It's a choice, and I like it. Yeah, what is it that you specifically? What do you like specifically the about the choice of the yellow? Do you like the yellow, the aesthetic of the yellow? So I like yeah, the I, I like the fact that it pops, but it also feels retro. It doesn't feel modern in any way, and it puts you in a place of oh, this is going to be in a way that is vaudevillian, and the comic style is reminiscent of the old cartoons and it's a much more comfortable feeling when I see that they have the yellow gloves on. That's really interesting. It's also not, uh, all of the characters like Daffy never, you know, wore yellow gloves and it would be weird if he had yellow gloves. So it's not all of the characters that have them, but key characters are going to be wearing these gloves and, it, it just gives you this sense of nostalgia that I, I, I appreciate. Yeah, uh, I, I, will, I will admit this. I thought his glove, Marvin's gloves in the first cartoon, his first appearance, I thought he had uh, white gloves. Uh, what, what I'm saying is th there were a bunch of designs the original creators of the characters and the original designs of them, uh, Chuck Jones, uh, Tex Avery, um, and a few right. others. And they had all of their characters wearing yellow gloves. 
uh, Marvin was actually introduced way later. And right. that, you know, not everybody had yellow gloves when they started, but the fact that they have yellow gloves now is a sign of going back to what worked. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I was momentarily lapse of reason. I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. No, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're, you're asking these questions because I'm sure our listeners are wondering why I'm so infatuated with yellow gloves. <laughs> yeah, and, and you... It's not just yeah. Doctor Strange in uh, Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> Marvin the Martian and the... The Illudium Q36 explosive space. It's hard to say that without doing Marvin's voice. Exactly. Later. But yeah, you it's nailed it. Possible. But that's... Uh, yeah, that... that uh, it, it's an obvious one. And, you know, I hate that so many of my absolute favorite Looney Tunes are the ones that are so well-known and they're kind of a cliche to name as among your favorite, but it really is. I mean, Bugs, when he's up there and Marvin the Martian has a special place in my heart in the Looney Tunes because, you know, again, that's, I've, I've, I've watched him since I was a little kid and I love it so much. And, but that in particular, very first one with Bugs Bunny, when Bugs Bunny goes and, Oh, I'm going to blow up the earth. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, it's terrific. So yeah. Yeah, uh, no, I'm I'm right there with you, and I'd be uh, I, for any significant changes to Martian to Marvin. You, there's other characters you could change, honestly, mm -hmm. and it wouldn't I I wouldn't be like Tasmanian Devils. You know, I like the Tasmanian Devil, but I it wouldn't bug me if they changed stuff about him. Marvin the Martian, you can't change Marvin the Martian. You just can't. Right, and I don't think they're going to. Oh, uh, Bob Clampett. Bob Clampett, who, has, who I was trying to think of, uh, gave all of his characters back in the day yellow gloves. And uh, people are equating the new designs to Clampett style. Um, so it has that retro -y feel to it. Um, ah. But again, uh, when Chuck Jones created Marvin the Martian, even though he didn't name him um, at the time, uh, he didn't have the yellow gloves because they were already beyond that point. And everybody had moved on to the white gloves. But it, so you prefer the you prefer yellow gloves on the characters where that was uh, at one point an option is what you're saying. Um, I am saying not that I don't prefer them. I prefer like the classic Bugs Bunny is with the white gloves, right, and the gray, and just like that pops. Um, I I don't prefer one over the other. What I'm saying is that the new shorts that are going to be coming out they have a new design to them and they all have yellow gloves and yes. those are reminiscent of the past and that's what the looney tunes need right now moving forward is a little bit of the past okay and that's what excites that's me fair. about uh everything going on over there um space jam 2 i don't know if they're gonna do the the new designs or the classic uh, Looney Tunes designs from the first Space Jam uh, to keep continuity there or even doing a 3D based model. I'm not sure what they're going to be doing, but I'm sure we'll learn as the year progresses. Um, that movie still has a ways out. It comes out after the Batman and the <coughs> Batman is currently filming. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll learn as we go. But I am hopeful. Yeah, it's one of those things that uh, 
another another extreme Looney Tunes opinion, but I'm going to say it. I can watch Space Jam and I'll watch the new Space Jam sequel and I'm sure I will like them and I will be in, I will be entertained by them, but I was never as big a fan of like I I prefer the Looney Tunes just in their own thing. I don't need the Looney Tunes into our world or or real life people in the Looney Tunes. It's the that kind of Roger Rabbit kind of thing. Yeah. Mixing the animated characters. The Looney Tunes characters were always and I'm sure that's a generational thing. That's how, you know, growing up with them uh the way that I did they after the 80s you remember the 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 early bugs bunny roadrunner movie that they did that was all animated that was i liked that uh, yeah i I love that but then after the the stuff with them interacting with regular people in the real world like the muppets did that and that worked and i loved the muppet stuff and but they were always kind of you know interacting with real life humans so to me the looney tunes characters i can watch it and enjoy it but i'm more excited i wish they would just do looney tunes movies that were just entirely car animated cartoons you oh, know, just a, a feature length and animated bugs bunny or you know whatever yeah that would be amazing but they're doubling down on the live action animation hybrids with looney tunes because they're also developing a couple shows with robert zemeckis mm-hmm. and we'll see how it turns out i, I i'm not holding anything against them i am looking no forward to them actually but you know um having a fully Robert animated Zemeckis. movie would be amazing wow. yeah. yeah yeah you can't I, i'm never gonna bet against robert zemeckis and if robert zemeckis says hey i want i have a great idea for a looney tunes movie that's a blend of live action and animation you just you just give him money that's what <laughs> yeah. you just write the check just shut up get out of his way and write the check but that said i have I have my sensibilities and I know it's just old man screaming, get off my lawn sensibilities about mm-hmm. Looney Tunes, but it's like, I liked them the way I grew up and liked them. And it, uh, it, the new stuff, I will still watch it and I'm sure it will be good and it will probably end up winning me over just like, you know, it, 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 but it, my my preference will always be at the end of the day i can watch these the new things and the interactions with live action people but i'm still going to always want to go back and have my comfort food of watching the old original looney tunes and you know that them interacting in their world and the world that i knew them in uh i just wanted to really quick inject another fact uh the squawk and hawk is the only time that Kent Rogers voices Henry Hawk. After that, oh. Mel Blank took over, and I, I was wondering if you noticed any difference uh, in Henry's nope. voice. I on I did not actually. That went right over my head. I had no idea. Uh, I <laughs> I missed that. If you'd asked me whether the same person uh, voiced him the entire time, I would have said yes. I would agree with you. I, I didn't notice uh, as I was watching it, but I in retrospect, I can hear the differences. Um, and then the other one was, uh, Ted Pierce, who is a longtime collaborator and story writer with Chuck Jones, uh, did the voice of the rooster in that, who is not Foghorn Leghorn. Um, and that rooster had a very different tone and vibe altogether. Um, (laughs) than Foghorn, uh, who thankfully was introduced later on and, and Mel Blanc did, uh, all the, uh, all the voices for him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love these characters. Uh, I, I have been told that, 
at least Foghorn will definitely be appearing in the new shorts. And that is exciting. Um, so hopefully we can look forward to that and uh, more Looney Tunes as they as they come out. We could mention that uh, Harley Quinn uh, definitely is is uh, channeling Bugs Bunny in some of her Birds of Prey scenes. <laughs> I, I mentioned that in my review of the movie. I was like, man, this is what the movie needed was more Bugs Bunny moments. That's, yeah, you know, I I liked it and enjoyed it, but go all in on that. You know, <laughs> to, don't be. Don't be afraid to do it. Just take take as much inspiration from from Bugs Bunny as possible, and then when you think you took enough, take some more. No, exactly. Thank you for bringing that up. I, I really enjoyed Birds of Prey, and also they have in their scenes where Harley is watching Tweety and Sylvester, yep. and it's it's just great advertising for Looney Tunes just in general. But, um, yeah, no, I really enjoyed the movie, and I hope more people go see it. And I couldn't agree with you more. There are a couple phrases that she says that are straight out of Bugs Bunny's mouth. And they were perfect. <laughs> uh, I'm here for this. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was pretty great. All right, Mark. Well, thank you so much for being on our show today. Is there anything you want to promote or talk about? It, well, it's my pleasure being on again. And thank you for having me. And thanks to everybody for, for listening in. Uh, I don't have... I, I don't have a lot. Uh, I'll say that the if you appreciate Looney Tunes and uh, you're you're listening to us talk about the Looney Tunes, then you you probably uh, are someone who has good taste and who is open to suggest ideas and suggestions. And I saw a really incredibly unique movie the other day. Uh, it really kind of blew me away. It, it, it's it's gonna its intent is to launch a new subgenre of film, and it's this beautiful. It's a Chinese opera that's based on and telling the story of this thousand, more than a thousand year old uh, folk legend uh, that has been turned into a very popular for long for a long time for centuries into this. Uh, a musical format and the story is performed and now they brought that approach to the storytelling and they've made this movie about it and it's crazy and wild and it looks like old classic Chinese landscape animation come to life and it's just weird and wild and crazy so if you're bored with stuff in the cinemas right now and you want to see something crazy I'd say if you can find this movie called Snake White uh, Snake then White it's called Snake White, and it's uh, it's it's pretty. It's just visually, it's stunning, but it's really interesting. And you'll see the the first film representing an entirely new subgenre of fantasy musicals. So wow. it's uh, yeah, well, it's going to be it's a whole new thing at the Chinese box office. They're looking to launch this and do a bunch of live action adaptations of the uh, Chinese opera and these classic stories, centuries old and stuff, and. It's pretty wild, anyway. So, that's about the that's the that's the only thing I've got uh, to, off the top of my head to tell you. Cool. Well, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I can't wait to watch it's that. Kind of weird and random, but it's <laughs> no, I love it. Weird and random is the rule of the day, isn't it? Keep yes. it weird and random. Thank you so but, much for being on the podcast. Where can people find you? You can find me at uh, on Twitter. You can find me at Mark Hughes Films, uh, but I don't know that you want to. 
And you can find me, <laughs> you can find my movie reviews and thoughts over at Forbes online. Uh, that's Forbes.com backslash sites backslash Mark Hughes. Nice. And uh, yeah, and so everyone and go read his for, review of Birds of Prey. Yes, please do. Please do. And of Snake White. Oh, and you, you reviewed Snake White. Awesome. Yes, I, I just po- I posted what I think, yeah, maybe possibly the first review in the United States for it, but I'm not positive. I'll have to check that. Oh, nice. See. Well, it's one yeah. of the first, so that's something. Yes. Yeah, um, definitely one I of the very I will definitely be reading it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, sir. And thank you again for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, this one was a little disorienting. We were all over no, the place. <laughs> no, but that's the way it should be. That's how, exactly the right way to be. Exactly. <laughs> Just free-range discussion, like free-range roosters and chickens and Foghorn Lakehorn. Right? There we go. We're all on the farm. <laughs> you know, we got a uh, Henry Hawk to the left. I gotcha! Foghorn Leghorn to the right. Now listen here, son. You never know what they're going to say. Because they're free, they're definitely free range in that place. Because there's nobody around, take keeping anything in line. <laughs> you know what sounds good right now, Mark? Some what? free range chicken. Yes, it does. Yeah, and some beans. I'm gonna go out to the doghouse right now and get a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> good luck. <laughs> I like the opportunity. I mean, I like talking about Looney Tunes in general, but I especially like that Foghorn Leghorn allows for this kind of analysis and stuff. That being said, that's that's not not all, all, folks. Thank Eric Bauza for providing those little snippets of audio for Foghorn Leghorn and Henry Hawk that you heard throughout this podcast. If you'd like more of that, please let me know in the comments and I'll try to provide more in future episodes. And I want to thank Scopely for sending them my way.